Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Nina O'Neill. Nina, are you ready to do this? I am. Excellent. Let's do this. Nina is a partner and investment advisor with Archer Investment Management. She is a sought-out national thought leader and has been named as one of the top financial advisors in the country. I'm excited to have you on Nina, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. All right. Um, so we're a client-centric, holistic financial planning and investment management firm. We're located in Raleigh, North Carolina, but we have clients all over the country. Um, I started my career in institutional finance in New York City. I call myself the accidental advisor because I really uh, just needed a job in New York and was an English major. So nice. totally fell into finance and really loved it. When I moved back to North Carolina, I'm originally from here, I went to work at a warehouse in, a, in an advisor program there. And um, in 2009, I had coffee with my partner, and who is now my partner at the time. He was not. But we realized we had the same vision, and that was really doing the right thing for the right reason for the client all the time. And having a very client-focused, uh, independent business, I knew I wanted to be out of corporate America. And so we've been working together for the last nine years. Um, I'm 37, and I'm married with two wild, sports-obsessed little boys that are four and seven. Nice. Um, to, I grew up in an all-female household, pretty much, so I, um, I'm having to learn about the NFL, the NBA, <laughs> NBA, <laughs> MLB, NHL, um, and all of the college sports as well. So it's been, it's been fun being a boy mom. Um, I do what I do because I – was around, I, was, I was in a family of small business owners and saw that they didn't have a ton of great advice, kind of looking back um, all the time on, on overall financial planning. And, I mean, they had some investment management, but not really big picture planning. And then um, a, lot of, a lot of things happened in my family where different women were widowed, divorced, um, had some kind of tragedies where – I saw that finances really impact that and you don't want to be struggling with finances during a grieving period or what is already an emotionally kind of devastating time. So really adamant to be a client advocate and to have really good planning from A to Z, whatever we can help do to make their financial picture as comfortable as possible. And then unfortunately, when we go through those sad times or bad times, uh, you know, be there for them to make sound decisions. We, we really are into behavioral finance. Um, so trying to let us help advise and, and manage the investments and taking emotion out of everything that we can from a financial standpoint. Yeah, it's so tricky, obviously, to remove emotion from from everything that we do. But to your point, when life throws curveballs at us and bad things happen, which they always and invariably will do, if you can have the money piece somewhat taken care of or completely taken care of, then you're in so much of a better position to be able to focus your time and attention on just getting past the the tough emotional stuff. So I think that that's really, really valuable. Um, have you found that there are common through lines or habits 
for people who are successfully able to do that? Is it just proactive planning? What do you find helps people to, to be successful with that? To be successful with um, kind of being financially stable or unemotional? Both. Okay. Right. Um, I guess both are important. Um, we work with a lot of young professionals. So our, our client base is 55% Gen X, Gen Y, 45% uh, boomers and silent generation. And so we, we're really working with a, a pretty big spectrum of people in different stages in their lives. But what we see as far as success is people starting early and not worrying about as much putting large amounts of money away. It's just they're systematically great savers. And as their life changes, we help adjust that amount and figure out how how they're going to be um, allocating those dollars. We see in the in the boomers and some of the older generations we've worked with, we do we are still seeing pensions, which is great. You're not going to see that moving forward no. as much in in you know I know for sure in our generation. Um, and then you also see a lot of um, large 401ks they've put in there for a long time. You see a lot of home equity. But what we don't see quite as much of and what we're trying to help our Gen X and Gen Y clients with is the savings outside of cash. So that's somewhere in between um, creating a brokerage account. It's a taxable account that you're still systematically saving in. Even if you're starting with zero, once you have a healthy cash balance on hand for emergency savings reserves, moving on to sort of that middle uh, time frame savings so that you've got both. Because what happens, and I know that we've talked about it in the industry, is a lot of the American people have most of their net worth tied up in their home and their 401k. And so we're trying to kind of increase that savings into just brokerage accounts and taxable accounts, make sure they have accessible dollars. So when they are going into retirement, we can use uh, strategies to uh, minimize taxes coming out of different accounts, but also just so that they're financially stable through those years. If you have something happen, a disability, a loss, a divorce, whatever it might be, and you really don't have anything but home equity and 401k um, and maybe some cash, um, which is obviously growing right now at a very swift rate with the low interest rate environment that we're in. But if you've got something in the middle, then you're you're a lot more financially stable, which I think helps get the emotions out when when you're going through bad times. But um to, to talk to the to the helping with not being emotional. I started my career in institutional finance and saw managing money kind of from a board perspective, if you will. Um, we managed money and we spoke to boards and you had an investment policy statement and it was very unemotional. You knew what the targeted rate of return was. Um, you knew what to expect in the portfolio. And so that's really what we're trying to mimic. And I think that clarity really helps people go through something like a, uh, whether it's a, a pullback or that's short. Um, we have had plenty of those. Uh, we're in a bull market, so we haven't seen a downturn in several years. But I think when we do, our clients, the education and the transparency of what they own and how it will behave helps us to keep them on the right path and be successful over time. Uh, we don't get any calls when there's any market movement. Um, we're very proactive with communication, but we're really talking a lot about portfolio behavior and what they can expect in the portfolio performance in relation to that. That's a great that's a great point and, and such a great insight talking about uh, a corporation has a board of directors and they have investment policy statements 
and you said that it helps to remove emotions. And as you're talking, I'm thinking it's it gives people guidelines or guardrails for when there's a market event, they're already prepared for it, right? So they're not surprised, or even if they are surprised, they they don't react negatively to it. So if you could help your clients develop that investment policy policy statement or whatever people want to call it. And that way, when things do go sideways, they can just refer back to it and say, you know what, we, we're, we're mildly prepared for this, so we're not going to overreact and and sell all of our positions when the stock market goes down or whatever it might be. Right. Right. And, and people are pretty receptive to that. Is that it's, I imagine that's a bit of a different conversation that they're probably not used to having. Yeah, I mean, we're really just trying to find their stomach. That's what we talk about is what's your comfort zone? And we want to we want to stay in that zone. Hmm. Um, we use a program called Riskalyze to do that. And we have it on the screen. Um, and then we stress test it. We say, okay, this portfolio uh, that, that you own, or, or if it's a prospective client, this is what we would like to, to have you be in. Um, it's in your comfort zone. And we can stress test it based on different market environments. So we can look at a rising interest rate environment. Um, what if the financial crisis were to happen again? Um, we can look at a lot of what ifs so that they have a pretty good, or, you know, what if we were in this period of time in the market? What would this have looked like? We are active money managers. So we run our portfolios with discretion and are actively managing those. So we may not sit in the same portfolio in those environments. We're going to try to make adjustments. So there's obviously either safety on the downside or growth ability on the upside based on the market environment that we're in. But we are just looking at if you had this and we didn't change it, what would have happened and are we still in your comfort zone? And if that's not okay, then we need to make sure we're always playing in that zone. And they really get it. So if, if they know their comfort zone is a drop of 20% or we use hard numbers, you know, if it's $50,000, then, you know, if, if this, statement goes down by 35 or 40 we're in the zone and they and they know that that we're we're playing right in the comfort zone we've established the stomach and really every everybody's happy on, on any upside like everybody's zone is 100 sure <laughs> anything we can get but in reality they don't want to take that kind of risk and we really talk a lot about um, a couple of things strategic spending we do believe you should spend your money and enjoy your life um, don't wait for it all for retirement retirement may not come um Really also uh, being a good saver, uh, so strategic spending, uh, really strong saving. Um, and and when you when you spend, prioritizing that spending, is it, an, is it experiences? Is it dining out? Is it new clothes, to, you know, bigger home? What are those priorities? And then how do we budget and afford those things or either make them a goal in the future? And then with investment management, just really staying the course and uh, automating those uh, saving strategies and then investing for the long term really not being emotional, just taking that out, understanding the portfolio behavior, uh, where your stomach is and your comfort zone. Um, but in that, not taking unnecessary risk, especially in these markets where it sounds so great to get big returns over time, like we've had in this bull market, but not to get sidetracked by the shiny object to stay, to stay on course with where you're truly comfortable in the event that we have a market downturn we know that we're allocated appropriately and won't trigger emotions of fear that in turn uh, create typically not very good uh, financial decisions. I love that, uh, that idea and that phrase of finding your stomach. I think that that's such an important one. And um, this is maybe a 
a kind of a basic question, but do you find that that if you were just to to share percentages with people that it doesn't really resonate nearly as much as to your point using a hard number like fifty thousand dollars? You know, early in my career, I started to realize advisors and investment managers think in percentages. Real people think in dollars, you know, (laughs) especially being an advisor through the financial crisis. You know, you you say, oh, you're only down 20. The market's down, you know, whatever it was that day, 40, maybe. Clients don't care. They still lost X dollars in their mind. Um, You know, and and we also talk about it's not a loss until you sell. There's fluctuation and there's always going to be fluctuation. It's not a stagnant straight up. Um, if it were, we all be rich, right? Um, but yeah, so really understanding the stomach and then um, talking about it in hard dollars because that's how they think. And I, I remember having a conversation one time and just, and again, early in my career, I've been an advisor since 06 to uh, 12 years, but very early on, a client was, to, to me, I mean, she was only down 1%. We had just gotten started together really hadn't had any time and um, she was very concerned and but to her it was to me it was one person to, to her it was ten thousand dollars in in a month right. and that that's real money and she had just started with a new young advisor and she was concerned and in fair you know but I, I remember thinking I, we really need to talk in dollars not percentages and and we try to put that in context with our clients and and their money Right. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I wanted to, to circle back in terms of uh, time horizon, as you were talking about how so many of us have money in home equity and then in our qualified plans. Um, and if you were to help people get an emergency fund and then eventually perhaps a, a brokerage account of some kind or just some liquid money that if when, when something does happen, you won't have to you know, uh, break into your 401k or try to get home equity out. Do you find that or do you think that um, as the industry is changing and uh, for lack of a better term, these robo advisors are are becoming very, very successful of helping people to invest. Do you think that that's helping to to sort of address that issue or am I looking too deep into that? Um, no, it's a conversation I've, I've kind of talked a lot about for years uh, since the robo term came out. I for what I see, and I'm seeing a lot of high-income earning professionals that I think the robos thought they were getting, some of those companies, but there's, I find that they still want advice. They want real people, person-to-person advice, and while that's an ease of use, for sure, because I think advisors, the, the industry's old, and it can be difficult to do business with us. It's getting better, but just from the paperwork and kind of how tedious things can be, where I think those programs have made onboarding quick, uh, the investment management, the communications great. I've, I've looked at a lot of them, and they have had success, but I think there's still a big um, need and want for that person-to-person, I know you, you know me advice, and that's been something that we've had a lot of success with. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see where that goes in, in the industry. I think it's been great because I think it has shown light on the fact that there is a gap between maybe the typical wirehouse or bank client that's older. I mean, there's, you know, I think it's brought up, brought a lot of light to the minimum conversation. We have no asset minimum in our firm right. and believe that everybody should have good advice and financial planning, but we charge for that. 
Um, we also believe, you know, it's, it's, if you need, if you can provide that service, that that's been an area, you know, that maybe that young professional that has a, a family or, or maybe doesn't, but just is earning well, but doesn't really know what to do with it yet. Um, there's not a huge amount of advisors in the country that are focusing on that, that group of people. And if you have a $250,000 minimum or whatever, maybe some of those warehouses or larger RIAs have a million. I've always said, who gets them to that million? Who gets them to that 250 right. mark? And um, what if they make a lot of mistakes along the way? You know, those are, those are the asset building phase is just as critical as the distribution phase and accumulation is important. And I think that there's a big misnomer that uh, Gen X and Y are not savers and they don't have money. And my book is absolute proof. Um, we have more than 20 clients in our, in our top 50 households that have over half a million dollars with us and are under 40 years old. Um, I think that our largest client uh, relationship is early 40s and has uh, several million dollars with us. So it, it and it was self-made, not inherited. So um, there is money out there. They want advice. Uh, I think the robo has shed a lot of light on it, advanced technology, and does have a place in, in our world. I don't think it's taking our place in this world. No, I certainly agree with you, and I think uh, I, fundamentally, I think it's an awesome thing if it if it's motivating people to start saving money and investing. I think that that's an incredible thing, but. Uh, to your point, for sure, I do think that there's value in an advisor and helping to pull it all together because certainly investment management is a really important thing, but it's only one part of a financial plan. So, Exactly. Well, Nina, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Don't be emotional about your investments. Uh, stay the course. Create a great plan. Um, Save early, even if it's just a little bit. Don't wait for the big dollars. They may never come, but a little bit goes a long way over time. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So, Nina, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So, you can find us at archerinvestmentmanagement.com. I'm also on social media. I'd love any new connections on LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is N O Neal, N O N E A L. I think it's, yeah, 510. So N O N E A L 510. And uh, love, love to meet any advisors or uh, potential new clients that are interested in uh, an advisor. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Nina your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find her on social media, check out her website, and I will list all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Nina. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!